Well, it is certainly good to be here tonight. I'm glad I only run off half of you this morning, but uh, it is good to be here. I appreciate all the good uh, singing tonight. The singing stirs the soul. It gets the soul prepared for the preached word of God, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that my sins, <laughs> the Lord don't remember them anymore. You know who remembers those, don't you? It's us and it's the devil. And uh, both of us together, the devil and us, will keep on reminding ourselves. Well, the Lord doesn't do that. So if you're getting reminded, it's not the Lord doing it. So it is good to be here tonight. And if you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to look at the same verses we looked at this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Lord Wilms, where we're going to begin our text with. We'll have other places, so always keep your Bible ready and, and open and handy. Uh, when the Word of God's being preached, you never know where I'm going to go, and you never know if I might tell you something wrong, so you need to be looking for yourself at the Word of God. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in everybody having their own copy of God's Word. And so let's go ahead and stand, if you're able to. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Starting verse 14, the Bible says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. I need your help. God, please help us. I know your word won't be returned void. God, it'll accomplish that which you please. That's what we're asking for tonight. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, this morning in part one of this message, we talked about several things about the beginning of the church. We saw from God's word where it was first established, and we saw that Jesus Christ and his apostles is where the church began. And when he said, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, he didn't mean he built his church on the apostle Peter, but he built it upon himself. He is the chief cornerstone. We read that in the Bible. And now if somebody else told you something from not in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it. But if it's in God's word, I believe it. I believe every word in here is true. There's not a mistake in this Bible. If there's anything in there you believe is a mistake, it's just your lack of comprehension of what God's word says. And I'll admit to you tonight, there's things in there I don't understand. I pray one day, well, I know one day when I reach heaven, I will understand it all. But until then, what we do is we rely upon the Lord and the Holy Spirit to reveal the things of God to us. Because as we read this morning, the things of God are spiritually discerned. And those that do not know God cannot discern them. And so I'm glad of that uh, tonight. But we looked at that structural foundation. The church is built upon Jesus. The framework, the Bible said, was built up of those apostles and prophets. And the body as lively stones, being the church, the church body, lively stones, uh, who are believers. That's us. That's you. That's me. If you're saved tonight, we all belong to the Lord's church. We're part of the church body. And so we also examine some things such as the wrongful world's view of the church. The world views the church as a charitable organization that should be paying their bills and, and uh, buying their gas and putting food on their table. And anytime they're having a hard time to drop by the church and the church give them money or help them out. And while those things are things that the church may do and are good things, we take care of those that are in need. But however, that is not the main focus and goal of the church. That's not the purpose that, that the Lord instituted the New Testament church for. That is one of the, the good things that will come out of the church. But the world views the church as, as weak, 
uh, as being able to be able to push over those of the church. There's a mentality that pastors today are just pushovers and they ought to just bend to any will of anybody that asks them anything. And I'll admit to you tonight, I've been taken several times by people just wanting a, a handout. Uh, you know, they've come up and gave me the old sad story. Their mother lived in Ohio and they've got to get there and they need $50 and this and that. And they come back and tell the same story next week. <laughs> and so I've been taken by that many, many times. But I do know that it doesn't matter that the Lord still blesses uh, when we give out of a humble heart and a willing heart uh, for him. But we saw that those things, the uh, the world sees the church the wrong way. They can't see it the way that we do because, as I said, they're not spiritually discerned. We are. We have that spirit. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came and indwelled inside of you. He doesn't leave you. There's no time where the Holy Spirit says, I'm gone for a while, I'll come back. Now, in the Old Testament, you'll find the Holy Spirit came and went in men. You saw it in Samson, you saw it in, in different men of God. But however, in the, in the New Testament, we're taught when a believer, when we believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit moves inside of us and dwells in us, and He doesn't leave us. He's always there. He's part of that new creature that lives inside of us. That old man needs to pass away. We need to put off, the Bible says, put off that old man and put on the new. And so the Holy Spirit is our, if you want to say it this way, our GPS. He guides us. Those times when you're tempted to do something, that voice inside of you is not your flesh telling you that it's wrong. It's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, wait a minute, (laughs) that's sinful, that's wrong, you're not to do that. So the Holy Spirit guides us. But the world's unable to understand that, and they're unable to understand the true purpose of the church. Now, we also looked at how the church has been weakened over the years. How that, uh, not not the true church. God's church will never be weakened. In fact, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're not worried about the church dying in that way or being destroyed. However, the way the world is doing the church, they've weakened the church. And churches have weakened the church. Now, that's a terrible thing to think about. Uh, we saw this morning how far we have strayed from the original first century church that was first established there on that day of Pentecost when those 3,000 believers believed and then started multiplying. We saw how different the church is today than it was in that day. Uh, in that day, the Bible said they continued in doctrine. In this day, forsake doctrine. Doctrine is the last thing anybody wants to deal with today in today's church. Anytime I've announced that I'm going to preach a message on the doctrine of this or the doctrine of that, I get this. Yeah, People really don't want to hear the word doctrine. It's, it's scary. It sounds like a, a professor behind a lectern in a college trying to give you some kind of lecture or something. Listen, doctrine is what the Bible teaches us. These things in here that God has said, that's His doctrine. We need to understand that. And so the early church, they continued in the doctrine that they were taught. We need to continue in the doctrine. The early church, they said they fellowshiped together. I mean, they were around each other all the time because they had a belonging. It's a family. That's what you become. When you become a child of God, you become part of a family. Those other Christians, like in here, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We belong to each other. We're heirs. Yeah, join heirs with Christ. So we all belong to the same family now once you've been saved. But today, what happens? Churches, they don't want to fellowship together. No, I, you know, I've got other things to do. You know, things, they put the world's things above the things of the church. When I grew up, I was taught, and my mom's sitting right there, she can tell you, nothing came before church. 
If you had a ball game, if you had something you wanted to do, if you had a movie, you had uh, a party, you had anything that you wanted to attend, if it doesn't interfere with church time, okay. But you're going to church first and foremost. So I was one of those drug kids. I got drugged to church every time the door was open. I was drugged. But today, it's not like that. Today, if you can manage to get church in there somehow, we might go if I feel like it. And so we'll put everything before church, ball games and sporting events and movies and eating out and going to the mall and everything else. We'll put that before. And if we got time, oh, goodness, somebody said they's going to come over to the house today. I won't be there tonight. <laughs> Listen, people are putting everything before the church. There's no fellowship together. Uh, the first church, the Bible says they ate their meals together. I believe that may have something to do with the Lord's Supper as well. Because when they met together, they had the Lord's Supper. They partook with the Lord's Supper every time they met together. We don't do that today. As Baptists, we do it probably quarterly. or there's some, I don't know what your schedule is. The Bible doesn't really give us a schedule of times to take it. We are to observe it. In today's churches, I know churches that have completely stopped doing the Lord's Supper. They don't want to do it. And so we don't have that in common anymore. The early church, the Bible says, they feared the Lord. How many people today do you know that goes around saying, I fear the Lord? You might know some, but the majority of people today, there's no fear of the Lord. They'll do anything they please, say anything they please, go anywhere they please without any fear of the Lord. So it's very different. In the early church, they had, the Bible said, this is the, one of the most important all things in common. Try to find a church today that everybody has all things in common. You've got fightings and inward struggles and cliques and, and all kinds of things going on in churches today. Friends, it is so different than it used to be in that first church. And so no longer do people have things in common. They want to fight and disagree about everything. You know, disagree about the color of the carpet or the, you know, the, the, the color of the light bulb that's in the sign. I, I've been, I've been through that before. So I didn't like the color of the light bulb in the sign. So you know, we got to fight about it. We got to have a church split over the light color of the sign. And it goes on and on and on. Uh, the early church, they continued daily. In other words, it was about the Lord every day. The church had something to do with the Lord every day. They continued daily. What do we do? Weekend warriors, if that. You know, I'll go to church, you know, let's go in the morning. You know, I'm not going to worry about the night service. Wednesday night, pff, no way. And so what we have to do these days, well, we can't sustain the electric bill anymore because not enough people's coming and tithing because they're not coming to church. So what do we do? Let's wipe out Wednesday night. Let's wipe out Sunday night. Let's have a Sunday morning service if we can. If not, we won't. <laughs> so, look, in that day, they continue daily. In this day, whenever it's convenient, if they got time or if they want to. And that day they had favor, the Bible said, with everyone. Not just church members, but people outside the church they had favor with because they behaved themselves like a Christian should. Today, mm -mm, no. There's no favor with outside the church these days. You walk out these doors, you don't have favor with them people walking down the sidewalk right now going over there to drink or whatever they're doing over there. I don't know what they're doing over there. But I do know they line up and down the sidewalks there and walk to places and go in. And so you don't have any favor with them. I'll just tell you that right now. Uh, but in, even inside the church, a lot of times, there's no favor between members. Uh, you've got this one member doesn't agree with this one. This one don't like this one. This one said something about my kids. This one over here did that and did this. 
and it goes on and on. And so we see how different, how opposite today's church is with the first century church, the one that the Lord Jesus established. Now, you may think, boy, he's awful harsh about this. He's, you know, just going on and on. Maybe you think I have a negative attitude toward church. I want to tell you something. The Bible, and we read it this morning, the Bible says that the Lord gave himself for the church. In other words, he hung on a cross, shed every drop of his blood, and died for the church. So if you start to thinking that church is not really that important and we shouldn't be so harsh and negative about the things that's going on, you need to think again. It is the most holy and sacred institute that's ever been instituted. And we need to remember that. And so this morning I told you about a news article about the church in Knoxville that had been buying everybody gas and uh, how so many people believed that was the purpose of the church. They was going on. Finally, a church, and this is their quote, finally a church that that's uh, doing what a church is supposed to do, buying my gas. I can save some money. I can go out and eat now because that church bought me a tank of gas. So in their mind, the world's mind, the, the church is to to give them stuff. Like what the government today, people think the government's supposed to give you stuff. And so uh, they don't know what the church purpose is. And not many Christians understand the purpose of the church either and what our, our uh, mission is in this world. I want to mention another news story really quickly here. It happened uh, here in the Knoxville area. It's actually in Maryville. It's another church. Back in 2018, you may remember this. There were a, a lesbian couple that was going to a very large church in Maryville, and they had been attending there for about a year. And I don't know why this church baptized these two ladies, but they did. And they went through all of the new church beginner classes and all this to become this official, uh, let me see what they call it. I wrote it down, so I would, um, core member. So they become core members of this big church. Well, when it came down to that, time to receive their core membership, the pastor of the church stood up and he told the ladies, I'm sorry, but you cannot be a core member because we don't agree with your lifestyle. No, he said the Bible doesn't agree. He said, what the Bible says is that your lifestyle is sinful. And so we can allow you to be a core member. You can't greet people and you can't do this and do that. They had a lot of things. Uh, if you remember the headlines, they were, they were pretty scandalous. Uh, Channel 10 says, same-sex couple barred from becoming full members of Blunt County Church. Channel 6, Maryville couple denied church membership. They claim due to sexual orientation. The Blount County Daily Times, their headline said, Broken Promise, couple told they can't be members of church because of sexual orientation. And, of course, the Knoxville News Sentinel, the most left-leaning <laughs> thing in the country, heartbroken but strong in their faith, gay couple wary of church attendance after rejection. <laughs> and so I watched this interview that they had with this couple and they were heartbroken because that church they had been attending had denied them this core membership they said they've been going there for a year they got baptized and like i said i don't know the circumstances around that why how that happened uh but they said they could now they could not hold shepherding roles in the church and the pastor told them they uh they would not be allowed to join his members because they were living an unbiblical relationship this is a quote from one of the women. Church is supposed to be your safe place where you can go and not be judged. The, the lost person's favorite verse is the one that says, judge not lest you be judged. That's their favorite verse. And they can quote it. 
And any time a Christian stands up for what is right, what a Christian says, this is what God's Word says, is the first verse they want to say is, judge not lest ye be judged. First thing they'll say. And they'll claim that we are homophobic. In fact, these two ladies, there was another pastor, let me say this, pastor, woman pastor, in the Universalist Unitarian Church just down the street from this other church that said, we will gladly take you in. We don't think that is sinful. In fact, we think the, the people that's against you are the ones that are sinful. That's what they said. That's what this woman pastor said at that church. Now, there's a lot more to this story and all, but this church that, that's involved here, the ones that would not allow her to, um, them to join, they have a huge membership, uh, very large. Mostly they cater to young crowds. They draw... Uh, them in with rock music, um, dress any way you want, come as you, you know, are, whatever it is. Very casual atmosphere. Um, I know some people that are members of that church. I worked with them, some young people. Uh, they faithfully attend that church if they're not hungover. Uh, they faithfully attend that church if they're not at some other place. Uh, they really love the rock music because it's nothing like what they ever heard in church. That's what they told me. Uh, they love the visual effects. They have screens. They have lights, flashing lights, spotlights, green. They have smoke. They have all these different things up on their stage. They like that. Uh, the pastors of the church, they're very hip. They're very cool. They wear sequin uh, uh, button shirts, and they wear uh, those skinny jeans and uh, things, and they can relate to them, they said. Uh, they love their movies, their plays, and their musicals. They're now doing musicals at that church. In all fairness, the church, if you read their core beliefs on their website, everything they list as their core beliefs are true. They're good. They're biblical. I do not disagree with any single one of them. And I don't know what led up to that baptizing that couple. If they knew they were living in the sinful uh, lifestyle, there was uh, certainly no grounds to baptize them. And they were right for denying their membership. Uh, there's certain things that the church cannot allow. Uh, an openly sinful relationship, a sinful lifestyle, um, that is not church material. What we have is a prime example of the church trying to identify with the world. We want so we want people in here so bad, we're going to do whatever we can to make it look like the world so the world will be comfortable if they come in. This is going on in all kinds of churches. I want to tell you tonight, and you probably know this, is probably not news to you, there's a lot of churches similar to this one right here. They have now completely, they gutted the church. They don't want those old-timey pews, I know that. They don't like those old-fashioned windows right there. They don't like the steeple. They don't like anything this church has to offer by look. So what do they do? They gutted them. They brought in the chair. Some of them's got chairs. Some of them you just stand the whole time. They don't want it to look like a church. They don't want it to resemble a church at all. And so they remodel it to look like something else. You can't tell it apart from a nightclub or a, a rock concert. I call these churches rock and roll flesh shows because that is what they are. And so they want to strip out anything... Um, traditional at the church those hymn books brother scott those hymn books has got to go we can't have that because that prevents us from being able to do this right here we we got to do this right here if you're praising god that way that is all good that's fine 
But when your sole purpose of getting together to hear a loud drum and rock beat and rock concert to do this and get hooked up to the music, and let me tell you what, any kind of music with a beat like that will do it. You can go to a country music concert and you can get the spirit of country music in you. Same with a rock concert. So it's all done with a purpose. And so not only does the world not understand the purpose of the church and the mission of the church, but nowadays neither does the church. The church is suffering an identity crisis. Uh, This morning when I told you the title of my message, I said it backwards. I said a crisis identity. I didn't know it until I listened to the, the, the tape after I got home, and I was like, what in the world? It's a, the identity crisis of the church. Now, as I mentioned this morning, the number one purpose and mission of the church is to preach the gospel unto every creature, period. That's the number one mission of the church. That involves a lot of things. And I know some people say, well, the mission of the church is to make disciples. Same thing. The Lord is the one who molds and makes the disciple when they get saved. So our purpose is to see that they hear the gospel. It's not our job to convict them. It's not our job to save them. It is our job to tell them the gospel. And the Lord does the work. The Holy Spirit does the the bidding. The Holy Spirit does the convincing. The Holy Spirit does the convicting. The Holy Spirit is the one that reveals to the lost sinner they're lost and need to be saved. And so if we'll do our job to go you into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature, which is what, Mark 16, 15, that is what we call the Great Commission. Now, I know in Matthew, there's a Great Commission listed there as well at the end of chapter 28. It has a little more detail than that. But that, in a nutshell, is our mission. It's the Great Commission. And let's look at it there in, in Mark 16, 15. It says, and he said... Unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What does it mean he said? Who said? Jesus said. The Savior said. The Messiah said. The head of the church said for us to go. He said unto them. Who's them? The disciples. Those that were followers of his. What is a disciple? It's a student. Is what a disciple is. A student of someone. The disciples, all those 12 that were listed there. Matthew, Mark, and... Or not, not Mark, I'm sorry. I started, I started off on the wrong foot, didn't I? <laughs> James, John, and Peter, and all those. I'm not going to do that. I'll mess up. But uh, all those 12 disciples that's listed, they were disciples, but also so were all those others that believed in the Lord Jesus and began following him. They were disciples. They were his students. They listened to what he said, and they took it in, and they tried to follow him, mimic him, and be like him. And so we have the Lord Jesus and those that believe on him. And that would be us. And next he said to go. We know what the word go means. It means make haste, take off, get with it, son. That's what that means. Uh, if you look up some of the uh, synonyms for the word go, it's very interesting. It actually has action behind it. The word go means liveliness, energy, enthusiasm, verve, and drive. And so there is a urgency behind what the Lord Jesus says when he says, go ye. He don't mean wait a while and go. He means right now, post haste, get with it. Don't look back. You're not fit for the kingdom of God if you look back. And so, listen, we are to go. So it's not a reluctant if I have to if, or if I feel like it or when I get around to it or whenever I feel like that I am um, able to do it. 
uh, that song my mother just sung, he, you know, the uncommon garments or common garments. Um, common garments is all that he needs. He just needs somebody that's willing to go, willing to do, and he will use you. You don't have to be qualified. He qualifies you. And so uh, next he said, ye. We've already covered who this is, but ye, he's talking to us, Christians, disciples. Then he says, into all the world. Did you see that? Not part of the world. Not a fourth or a fifth or or a third of the world, but he says all the world. And the word all means everything. The whole burrito. Now, what is it we are to do when we go into all the world? What does he say to do? Preach the gospel to every creature. So what, what do we do when we preach? That's from a Greek word. I'm not a Greek scholar, but keruso, which means to herald, to proclaim, to publish. So our mission, the Great Commission, is for us to publish the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the purpose and mission of the church. So before we start thinking that we're just a charity organization, or we're just a, a do-gooder house, or, or we're supposed to build ramps for people, it's a good thing. Don't I'm not knocking it. If, if you want to build a ramp for somebody in the name of the church, in the name of the Lord, go at it. That's great. But that is not our mission. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is not to feed the starving over in Africa. Our purpose is not to dig wells in, in places that don't have water. That's not our purpose. It's some of the things we do. We support missionaries that go over there and do it. We support a missionary in Zambia. We have for years. And they, that's what they did. They had to dig a well. They had no water. Now, is that our purpose, to dig a well? Well, no, but that's part of what they're doing. And so for them to preach the gospel, they dug a well. People come, get water. They preach the gospel. <laughs> and so it kind of works out that way. But we, uh, the church, its its number one goal, its number one mission is to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I made a statement this morning. And I did, I've done it several times in different places I've preached, and I get, sometimes don't get a very good reaction. And what I said was, church services are not for lost people. Boy, the first time I ever said that, I got some really weird looks. And let me tell you why. We have been conditioned from a young child that when you go to church, our expectation is to go in, hear music, hear preaching, and hopefully somebody gets saved. That's our, that's what we always want. That's what we desire. That's what I was taught from a young age. We go to church, hopefully somebody gets saved. That, that's what we, and usually they did back then. Uh, you went to church, somebody did get saved. And so the majority of church members have that thought in their head. Church is for getting people saved. It's for people to go and get saved. But, to be honest with you, until I started reading God's word for myself and looking at what he says about the church, the purpose of the church, the mission of the church, then I began understanding that we may be doing church wrong. Our thoughts and attitudes about church may not be right. It may be okay, it may be good, it may be traditional, and I love tradition. It may be what we've always done, we've always done it that way. But it may not be the right way, or it may not be the best way. We may need to look at things a little different. You see, if you place all your efforts on focusing on hoping a lost person enters the door, hears the gospel, and gets saved, if that's your only purpose of church services, then church services are never going to be what you expect. They're never going to glorify the Lord the way they need to glorify the Lord. Because what we do is we, we pick out songs, evangelistic songs, hoping it'll stir someone to get saved. 
our messages, most preachers, our messages are centered around hoping somebody hears it and gets saved. And But what the church, and we discussed it, discussed it this morning, the church is not for lost people. It's for saved people to congregate together to hear the preached word, to edify the saints, to hear music, to sing spiritual songs, and to lift each other up and to be equipped to go out those doors and share the gospel with every creature. That is what the church is for. So to say the church is for lost people to come and get saved is not correct. Now, it does happen. I know several. I got saved in a church, and I'm thankful for that. It was an evangelistic outreach. It was vacation Bible school. That's what that's for. And so churches, we do need evangelistic services. We do need that. But that should not be every single service, every time the door is open, because we are failing to do what we're doing. And what happens is most people come into a church as a spectator and not a participator. I'm going to go in. I'm going to sit on the pew. I hope they sing some good songs, some of them that I like. And I hope the preacher is not too long-winded because I want to go out and eat after the service. And hopefully somebody will get saved. <laughs> and so a lot of people, all they're... All they do when they come to church is sit in a pew, watch the show, and leave. And come back next Sunday and do the same thing over again. And so a majority of people are doing that. I want to tell you something this morning. You may have never heard this. If you're a church member, you have a job to do. And there are no pew warmers mentioned in the Bible. There's workers. There's people that do things. You may not be the pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, a missionary, a song leader, a Sunday school teacher. You may not be any of those things. God may not have called you to do that. But you can guarantee He has gave you a gift. He's gave you something to do. And it is not holding the church pews down. Those things are heavy enough to hold themselves down. So the Lord expects us to be part of that body. If you read, uh, what is it, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when He goes down through the parts of the body of the church... And he talks about how that you, you need each part. If you miss one, then it's no good. Do you know if you cut off your big toe, you can't hardly balance yourself? If your big toe's missing, you're in big trouble. You may be the big toe in this church. And if you're not here, church may be in big trouble. May not be able to get along without you. And so it takes every single part. Have you ever had your wisdom teeth took out? I remember when my wisdom teeth got got, uh, what are they called, impacted or whatever it is. And it got all swollen up and my jaw all swelled out. It was infected and all that stuff. Just the wisdom tooth affected my entire body. I could not do anything. I mean, I couldn't work. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. It was misery because of one tooth that was affected. When the body of the church, when one member of the church body is not doing their part, when they're out of place, it causes an effect with the rest of the body. And it's not the same. And so each person has a place and something to do in the church. And so the recipe for the church has never been, biblically, uh, for lost people to be saved. That was never the biblical uh, pattern of the church. Uh, the church is not for spectators. It's for participators. When you come into the church, the very first thing on your mind, first of all, you should have walked in the doors praising God, praying, and praying for the Lord to show you what He wants you to do and to bless this service, bless those that are doing their part, bless the preaching, bless the singing, prayed up and ready when you walk in that door. 
You know, a lot of people, they go through life living any old way, and then, oh, goodness gracious, it's time for church. Let's get there, hurry. Go in, sit down. Never thought a thing about preparing to be here. We need to be prayed up and ready to come to church. And contrary to popular opinion, it is not the pastor's job to fulfill, fulfill every single role of the church. I told a gentleman here this morning, I did that. I've done that. I've done the preaching. I lead the singing. I teach the Sunday school class. I clean the parking lot up. I clean the front doors on the church. Whatever it took, I did it. I'm not begrudging that, but that is not the pastor's place to do every job. And so we need to understand we all have a job. Maybe you're the one that should help out doing that. Now, while some evangelistic sermons and services need to be given, not every sermon or service should be so. There should be those services that simply are just to glorify God, to lift him up, lift up the Lord Jesus, magnify his name. Listen to what Paul wrote. We'll be finished. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So there we have the main purpose of the church services described in verse 12 for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Those are the things that we should be focusing, focusing upon in the church. And then everything else, it takes, it takes its place. Once you do that, when you get equipped with the word of God, you have that right balance of what we need to be doing as the church. Then we go out and we reach the world with the gospel. That is how we fulfill his great commission. And so if the only thing you're doing in church is sitting back, relaxed, watching a show, you're not doing your part. It's time to start doing your part. It's time to get off of the milk and get into the meat. And listen, the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, why do we do this? We do all of this for one reason and one reason only. To glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the whole Great Commission is about. We go out. Do you think he needs us? He does not need us. But we all need him. We all need him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the message tonight. Lord, thank you for revealing in your word what it is we're supposed to be doing as a church. God, forgive us when we're not doing that. God, when we're going about our own business or, or identifying with the world, God, watering down your message, forgive us for it. 
God, may we be, may we be ambassadors for Christ. May we go out and preach to every creature in this world, God. Tell them the gospel before it's everlasting too late. Help each one in this church. Thank you so much for them, Lord. Thank you for all the wonderful times that we've had already today, the singing, the fellowship. Lord, I pray that you bless this place, bless these members, bless your church, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.